0: Welcome to another episode of Plugged In, the Con Edison podcast on everything about energy and what we all can do towards
1: a clean energy future. Hi everyone, I'm Philip O'Brien.
0: And I'm Anne-Marie Corbelis. It's March, and that usually brings to mind spring break and March Madness. But March is also Women's History Month.
1: And it's time to celebrate women's achievements but also to focus on how those achievements were gained and the work that still is ahead.
0: We've invited three women from Con Edison, each with a different perspective, to describe their experiences working at a utility and how they've made a difference. First is Francesca Wilson. Francesca is an electrical engineer and describes her job as being like an air traffic controller. More on that in a minute.
1: Second is Vivian Boyd. Vivian joined the company in the middle of the pandemic, an experience she'll share with us in just a bit. And after two years, she's now a supervisor at the Astoria Technical Services Laboratory.
0: And completing our group is Anastasia Malley. Anastasia has held several positions here over a 30-year career. Anastasia, you get the first question. In 1990, what attracted you to becoming a mechanical engineer And why work at Con Ed, especially back then when it was a male-dominated business and a utility at that?
2: Thank you for the question. Um, I've always known that I wanted to be a mechanical engineer or at least some sort of uh, engineer. I enjoyed math and science class in high school and really enjoyed hands-on work of building things, tinkering things. So I did study mechanical engineering, and during that coursework, I really enjoyed my power systems class, and during my senior year, I had the opportunity to travel to one of Con Edison's generating facilities, Ravenswood generating facility at that time, and I was incredibly impressed with the size of equipment and just seeing what I'd learned about in paper and equations, bringing it to life, so that's what really excited me to want to come work for Con Edison and starting off in the power plants.
1: Vivian Boyd, how different was your introduction to Con Edison compared to what Anastasia just said?
3: So my introduction to Con Edison was different because it's not at all where I thought that I would be. Um, I went to school to study marketing and business administrations and always thought that I would end up doing entertainment marketing. When i had come back from doing an internship in Florida, uh, I really, really needed an internship, and Con Ed was looking for an intern in their construction management department. Um so I said okay sure I'll do that it will look good on my resume for wherever I eventually end up going. Uh, about 2 months in I ended up loving the company and I got recommended by my manager at the time Christine Go to sign up for at the time what was called the Gold program now known as the leadership development program. Uh, I got accepted. I did that for for 18 months, and now I'm here permanently, and I absolutely love every second of it.
1: That's great. And when we spoke before this recording, you were telling me, and I'd like you to share just what was the experience in Florida, because to me, it's quite contrasting. Yeah, so at. at
3: the time, I was working for Walt Disney World. I was working at one of the Resorts as a Recreation's cast members, so I did a whole bunch of different things, from lifeguarding to front desk work to doing children's activities.
1: You ever meet Mickey? I did. I definitely did one or two times.
0: (laughs) Thanks, Vivian. That brings us to Francesca. What was your experience? Can you tell us what you were doing before Con Edison and about your position? You talk about as being
4: an air traffic controller. So the way I started in engineering is really great. And it was through school. I didn't know any engineers. There weren't any engineers in my neighborhood, um, but I was strong in math and strong in science. In junior high school, I had a really smart and forththinking thinking guidance counselor that drove me to engineering, and so I ran with it. And thankfully, I love it. Since coming to Con Edison, I had the opportunity to work in the field, in an office, even, you know, being exposed to a laboratory. Currently, I'm the chief district operator and So when we talk about air traffic controller, that comes in because my mom always wants to know how to describe what I do, what do I do? And so the best way is to make a parallel with the air traffic controller. They manage planes coming in, um, going out to make sure there are no collisions and to ensure their safety. And that's really what my department does for the electric system. We manage the outages to make sure that they're done safely and the return of equipment. You can think of an electricity, a high powered electricity line that might've been 345,000 volts. The job of my department is to make sure it's de-energized and safe so that when someone needs to touch it or maintain it or do something to it, that they're doing that safely. So in essence, we're air traffic controllers, but I also tell my mom that we save lives every day.
1: Well, we're all very happy that the three of you are pleased at being at Con Edison, but Anastasia, Briefly tell us, what was the culture like in the 1990s?
2: Thanks for that question. The culture of the company has certainly changed. In the 1990s, when I came in, the company was definitely diverse because we mirror the city that we serve. But in the work environment, primarily females were in administrative positions, in office positions. It was really a rarity to find females out in the power plants in operating roles. It was more of a militaristic, very chain of delegation type of uh, environment, but there were always helpful people that were there that you could go to, to ask questions, to learn. People are definitely uh, proud of knowing the job, proud to show someone and teach someone who wants to learn the job. So that hasn't changed about culture, I think, but definitely less diverse in terms of gender in operating uh, areas throughout the company.
0: Um, so does that include, like, I think we, we chatted before about unisex locker rooms and bathrooms at
2: the time? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, in the power plants, there were ladies and men's uh, locker rooms, but certainly in other field locations and substations, it was, we were ahead of our times, right? It was uh, gender neutral uh, locker rooms and actually uh, the bathrooms and the locker rooms were primarily for men. Thank you. And Francesca, what's the culture today?
4: So just like other companies, we are also still moving to improve upon what it was. Just like Anastasia mentioned, um I remember coming in the company and folks telling me not just with the facilities but even the sentiment. Um, people in the field didn't want to have a female or woman as a partner. It was considered a liability. Um, so even that has grown now where you see a lot more partnerships and a lot more integration from a gender perspective. Uh, Me and my role now as a Chief District Operator, I'm the first woman to hold this role and I assumed the role last year. So obviously, you know we are interested in growing, we're making the improvements and we all know that there's always more to go, but I am definitely encouraged um, to see the growth that we've made so far. And I know a lot of people who did a lot of work and took a lot of risks to get us to where we are today.
0: And Vivian, as the newest employee here, What's your sense of the role of women at Con Edison?
3: I think since I've been here, even in the two years that I've seen strides that we've made to keep going towards uh, making it equal for everyone. Um, When I started in the company, I was actually in a group that was all women. My managers were women. Everyone that was doing the work was women. And a majority of my time here, uh, my managers have all been women. Um, So it's really cool to see that um, we're not, Discriminating when we're going up towards towards upper management and who who is the ones that are in charge of of running our company and keeping the lights on, um, I think of course there's always improvements that can be made, but I have never felt that because I'm a woman I can't do something here at ConEd.
1: Each of you has an important, critical title and job function, so tell us how important is that sense of attainment, that recognition, the growth within your careers?
4: It's so important to know that you have the opportunity. And I think that's the most important thing that we look for um, when it comes to promotions and growth, particularly in a technical environment. Um, even Anastasia, I'm sure she can relate. When you looked at procedures and specifications, they were all in the male gender. They were all he, he, and so you couldn't even see yourself in a role that didn't describe you and I think now what we're starting to see is not only are we making sure that there's gender equality on paper but that our management and our leadership um reflects that so I do enjoy the fact that not only are we saying um that these things are important that we're showing it so the ability and the opportunity to move up even becomes that much more um, achievable and believable as we start to see women more and more become um, part of the leadership team here at of, I think we also
2: have to um, look to let our work speak for ourself, right? Um, we have individual goals that we want to accomplish. We have um, company goals that we want to accomplish. And I think working to do your best work every day, every time, um, that really, is something that's recognized and uh, certainly rewarded and certainly encouraged. So having that ability to really go after what goals we want to accomplish, whether it's a personal goal, um, in terms of what uh, career moves we want to make or industry uh, accomplishments we want to achieve. It's definitely encouraged and recognized throughout the company. Um, you know, People support each other, whether it's women supporting other women to help them come along in their career, or also I think of many of my mentors have been both men and women really supporting everybody in the company to uh, really accomplish um, and achieve um, what we set our, our goals for.
1: And Vivian, maybe you could put it the answer to that question in the context of having come to the company in the middle of the pandemic. And I would imagine, because I know a few other folks, y- y- virtually not seeing or meeting people you're working with.
3: Yes, it has been. Definitely a whirlwind trying to start full time in a company um, that does so much of our work in person and having to be onboarded virtually. My whole first rotation in the leadership development program was virtual, so I didn't have the opportunity to even meet the people I was working with. Um, But that being said, uh, like both the other women have said, I've had great mentors uh, throughout my time here already who are willing to help me, not just because I'm a woman, but because they want to see me succeed. And I think that's a huge thing that we're focusing here at Con Ed with is building each other up no matter what. We all want to be on the same page, give the greatest to each other and to our customers. Um, so, So, yeah, we definitely want to help each other no matter what.
0: You're listening to Plugged In, Con Edison's podcast about energy and what we all can do towards a clean energy future. Please follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. Our handle is at Con Edison. Now let's return to today's episode. So welcome back. We're talking with three impressive women who work at Con Edison about their career experiences here as part of Women's History Month. So we've talked about recruitment hiring, culture, and recognition for good work. Now let's talk about time, especially lost time. Women are the ones who have babies and raise families, and that can mean time away from the job, and that could result in a career setback. Anastasia, could you talk about what changes leaves of absences have had over the years?
2: Um, personally, when I had my first daughter, I did, um, take maternity leave and then I took, I took an additional three months off so that I could be home bonding with my uh, daughter, helping to, uh, raise her. Um, although I did, uh, while I was away on maternity leave, I did keep in touch with uh, folks to hear what was, uh, going on. So it wasn't as drastic of a, um, a transition, um, with my second child, um, the company was actually very, um, Um, accommodating and I actually um, took my maternity leave and then for a total of uh, I guess six months I worked part-time so this way I was able to continue to uh, keep in touch with what was going on at the time I was the area manager of Queen's substation operations so my field operations planner had the delegation but I was still involved um, working uh, remotely from home At the time, I did go in on a number of occasions when it was necessary to support activities. Um, So, it wasn't as uh, drastic of a transition coming back after that uh, maternity leave, just a bit of juggling between meetings and uh, raising a young uh, newborn baby at the time.
1: I have a related question. We've all spent two years working in pajamas and meeting over video phone conferences and adjusting our work shifts. And for all that, most of us have survived and are doing fine and so is our work. So let's postulate for a minute. Do you think that change in how and where we work will make it easier for women to take leaves and not lose out in their career paths? In other words, if we become accustomed to this sort of different mode and stretching time out, do you think that's been like a good breakthrough in this issue?
2: I think definitely, and not just for women, for uh, men as well, right? So fathers take time off for paternity leave. Um, Both men and women might take time off to take care of a child or an elderly parent. And one thing that the pandemic has proven to everybody, um, not only in our company, but throughout the world, that we can do it. That technology does enable us to support working remote, and that does give us more flexibility. Now we definitely need that face-to-face time that poor uh, Vivian has been lacking, you know, with her transition into the company. But she's definitely shown that it can be done, and the company has successfully continued to provide energy services safely, reliably, efficiently. Um, so it's definitely enabled us to prove to ourselves as employees, management throughout the company, and uh, our customers as well, that we can support working uh, remotely. And that I think will only provide benefits in the future to be more accommodating to employee individual needs.
3: And I wanted to echo that as well. I think that working remotely is great for everyone, even if we take a step back from looking at, uh, you know, raising children or caring for an elderly adult, it helps us with an overall work-life balance, and I think being able to have that work-life balance, you know, being able to take time to work remotely when needed and when operations allow, and going in when things need to be done in person, at a, in the field, or in the office, it allows for everyone to take that needed time to reset, focus on themselves. And be able to come back to work even better than they were before. Building in that flexibility allows for people to work as comfortably and efficiently as possible.
2: I can add one thing as well as, well as uh, working remotely is... Uh, certainly increased the number of hours working for sure right so we take that commuting time and uh, we're actually working and as my family would have asked that laptop is always open on the dining room table so it's definitely um, I don't think there's any uh, negative effect uh, to the company in terms of hours that employees spent working to really
4: meet whatever needs to be accomplished uh, I just wanted to add because I've been even though you know during the The pandemic, I've been at work and that's predominantly because I'm managing field forces and people in operations. Unfortunately, they do not have the flexibility to work from home. So I think it's really important to mention, particularly when we look at our field folks, our union folks, that they may not have that option. So hearing all these advantages and how great it is and how much of a game changer it could be for folks with families, um, just challenges us even further to make sure that we can extend those kind of benefits to everyone.
1: Good point, Francesca. Thank you. And this this question may be geared towards Vivian at first, but maybe not just only her. COVID's also caused many people to switch jobs. You have this, this thing called a great resignation. And also a lot of people are retiring early, it seems. So how does a company like Con Edison appeal to younger diverse people to fill those ranks.
3: I think one thing that really appealed to me with Con Ed, um, like I said, I started in the leadership development program which is an 18-month rotational program that we have here and that's a big thing I see with my friends and peers who I graduated with is that bouncing from job to job, trying new things, never staying with the company for a long time. And what Con Ed allows us to do is to try different roles in completely different areas of the company while still staying in the same company. And I think that's a huge advantage. You get to learn so much by trying these different roles. I mean, speaking from personal experience, I was able to do rotations in energy efficiency and demand management, switch over to construction management, and then end up where I am now in the Astoria Technical Services Lab. Three totally different areas of our company that some of them I wouldn't have even thought that we had before starting here at Con Ed. Um, So I think the ability to, to try different things and encourage growth and learning more is a huge reason uh, people my age would love to, to come to work at Con Edison and, and have that opportunity for growth.
0: Women tend to be natural networkers. They enjoy community um, events and relating to one another. Can you tell us, uh, maybe you first, Vivian, as the newest member of the group here, how important for you are the company's employee resource groups? They're called ERGs in Con Edison speak.
3: So employee resource groups have been a huge thing that I've been trying to get involved in since starting here at Con Edison. Um, Since being here, I have joined the board of three employee resource groups. Uh, I'm part of the Emerald Society, which is our Irish American ERG. Um, I'm on the board for the LGBTQ plus ERG, uh, working with community development. And I also helped to start uh, one of our newest ERGs, Capable, which is for individuals with disabilities and allies. Um, so getting involved in those groups not only has been has not only has allowed me to learn about all three of those groups and how we really do have a present a presence of all of those within our company. But it's allowed me to network. I have met people from all areas of the company, both union and management, who I probably otherwise would not have had the opportunity to meet. And to be able to do lunch and learns or sit in on events or have guest speakers come to be able to educate us on a bunch of different topics has been super helpful and a huge reason why I'm happy to see that Con Edison has had such a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion.
0: Francesca, are ERGs are something that are important to you too? And if so, which ones?
4: Absolutely important. Inclusion is really the game changer This you know that really enhances diversity. Without inclusion, diversity is incomplete. So our ERDs help us to make sure we are an inclusive environment. Um, I'm a part of BUILD. BUILD stands for Blacks United in Leadership and Development. I'm of course a part of the local Diversity and Inclusion Council. Um, as a Black woman in leadership, it's really important for me to make sure that I'm in touch with what's happening in the company and the ERGs help with that. Bringing in outside speakers, understanding what's happening, not only in the company, but outside it is vital. The other piece I'll say, because I'm also a manager that hires, that helps me to meet people like Vivian and to meet newer folks to make sure that I'm also in touch with the next generations that are coming in and that I am aware of the needs and the changing generation to generation that they look for in, in a company and in a department and even in a manager. We've had to shift you know, the management skills that we we lean on based on generational changes, based on COVID, all sorts of things. And so ERG helps me to make the connections and relationships I need, not just with folks that are in management, but with everyone at every stage of their career. And that just enhances my ability to be a good manager.
0: And Anastasia, over the years, now that you were here almost 30 years, how have ERGs changed? Were there these networks back in the 1990s?
2: There certainly were these networks back in the 1990s, but it's certainly become uh, communicated a lot easier, right? Back then, it might've only been advertised through word of mouth or maybe limited uh, email. Certainly with use of the intranet and um, updates, it's definitely communicated. So it's a lot easier to see what events are occurring uh, with the use of team meetings lately also for everybody to uh, participate. And Francesca indicated it's, it's welcome and open to everybody to jump on a lunch and learn session, really just gain exposure on different topics, different events going on throughout the company. Does
4: anybody in the group find that mentoring is a component of these ERGs? Absolutely. Mentoring can be formal or informal. We have a mentoring program, within Con Edison, but what I encourage people, and sometimes mentoring sounds like work, particularly if you're a mentee looking for someone, that these ERGs are a perfect way of forming relationships with folks. So you can adopt a mentor without them even knowing it, or without it being formal, because these ERGs already create an informal relationship. So it could be, hey, I saw you you know, present on this, or I saw you as part of this group, do you have a few minutes for me to talk through whatever you wanna talk through? And so by these ERGs, for, presenting an informal platform, you can adopt as many mentors as you like. And this is really a good gateway to do so.
3: To echo what Francesca just said right there, I've been in that informal mentor situation. You know, I have met these people through employee resource groups. And then if I have a question or concern about something that I might not have learned yet in my time in the company, I can think of someone and be like, oh, let me send them an email or give them a call. And they can usually help me. And without thinking, oh, it is a mentor-mentee relationship, and it's super helpful. And on the flip side, I've had people that I've met throughout the ERGs as well reach out to me if they need help with certain work. So it is nice. You're building those relationships without even thinking about it. Um, and it does it can become more formal if need be, but just having any sort of relationship with people throughout the company is, is super
1: helpful. Each of you is truly inspiring, but who inspires you guys, who are your heroes or shiros? Who wants to go first?
3: I'll start it off, and not to okay. give a not to give you know the cliche answer, but some of my heroes or shiros have definitely been the women in my family. I come from a family of on one half, I'm one of 30 grandchildren, uh, so we have a wow. whole bunch of women in our family. Um, both my my mom, my grandparents, my grandmothers, and my aunts. Cousins. Uh, so I've grown up watching a lot of powerful women. Um, speaking specifically about my mom, you know, I I'm the first one in my uh, immediate family to go to college. Uh, and as I was going up uh, through that process, you know, going in high school and then going to college, wanting to come to Con Ed, which is an area that I wasn't really familiar with before joining the company. My mom, both my parents, but my mom uh, specifically has been super helpful telling me whatever you can do or ever, whatever you want to do and set your mind to, you can do it. And the same goes for all of my aunts and my cousins. They would always encourage me. And if I had questions or concerns, they would be there to listen. Um, not even just with you know, career related things, any sort of personal problems. Um, I knew I could rely on the women in my family to really be able to to help me.
1: That's terrific. Anastasia, what about you? (laughs) Similar to
2: uh, Vivian, uh, definitely my parents have uh, been amongst my uh, heroes. Uh, I'm a first generation American and my father uh, was born in post-revolutionary Russia and really had a difficult uh, and challenging life, yet he always had a positive, optimistic attitude. I think that was a lot of encouragement for me, right? So if my father could overcome the things he could, so I'm one of the few female engineers working in a male-dominated industry. If he can overcome all the hardships, there's really uh, nothing we can't accomplish, and they've always been uh, supportive. The time when I came into the company, we did have a female uh, chief financial officer And that was definitely a a motivation, knowing that it is possible to rise to uh, levels of leadership in a male-dominated company and in a male-dominated industry. Certainly, we have a lot of dynamic women leaders in the company now that we look to each other for
4: support and uh, motivation as well.
1: And Francesca?
4: Yes, of course, the women in my family, Um, but I'll go a little external and I'll start with Ursula Burns. She was the CEO of Xerox and really the first Black woman CEO of a Fortune 500 company. She wrote a book that Entitled where you are is not who you are, and so the reason why I have like a feel like connection with her is we have the same alma mater. Um, she grew up in the Bronx. I grew up in the Bronx, and really have some parallels in personality. And so I find her really inspiring that she was able to remain authentic to who she was and yet continue to rise to the to this. To the position of CEO. Aside from that, I will say the women of Con Edison. I remember coming in and one of the women in construction, her name was Cece, she came up to me and she said, you know, I'm really glad to see you in this position because when I came in, there weren't even any female bathrooms and no one wanted to work for me and I had to really be tough and I had to become someone different to succeed here. So that really is inspiring to me outside of the leadership, the people who really came before us and did the hard work so that I could be where I am and not have the same barriers. They really, really took a lot of risks, not just with reputation, but with their own careers. They may not have risen to the to the positions that we're able to rise to now. And we just, I really appreciate the sacrifice that they made. Um, and so they're extremely inspiring to me. Well said.
0: Thank you all for making this a great discussion. Anastasi O'Malley, project manager from Central Engineering. Francesca Wilson, chief district operator in System Operations, and Vivian Boyd, Operating Supervisor for Technical Services Lab in Astoria.
1: And thanks to our listeners, too. I'm Philip O'Brien.
0: And I'm Anne-Marie Korblis. See you next time. And that's our show. If you have a comment or question, please email us at podcasts We'd love to hear from you. Let's be engaged. Let's learn more. And most of all, let's stay plugged in.